breaking the lie. Satan. The lies of Satan pierce our hearts. The lies of Satan break our relationship. From the very first moment, Satan has been lying about God. He is a liar and the father of lies. The Lord wants the National Prayer Chapel to come into a place of victory and power and peace and reconciliation. The devil is determined that will not happen. He's determined to destroy our families. He's determined to destroy and steal from us our peace. Okay, there's a fundamental problem that we're facing as we begin to try to approach what it means to walk with Jesus. And that fundamental problem is that most of us have come to a place in our lives where we say, we're saved. We're messing up. Everything isn't right. But bottom line, we're saved. Because of that position that we hold that says we're saved, we are vaccinated against the work of the Holy Spirit, and we are subject to believe the lies of the devil. In the book of Ephesians, it speaks about confidence in being saved. That passage in Ephesians is really only referring to we have been saved from the destructiveness of sin, but we have not been saved into heaven. Big difference. If in your mind you're saying, I'm saved, then you should be saying there is no longer any known sin or rebellion in my life. If there is known sin or rebellion in your life and you say, I'm saved, you're lying to yourself. It's simply not true. It's a way to believe a lie of the devil and comfort yourself in your sin. But the truth will finally come and expose you as a liar. 1 John, second chapter. Very clear. If you don't obey the commands of God, and you claim you're a follower of God, you're lying. Don't make the mistake of believing Satan's lie that you are secure and you are safe if there is sin in your heart. If there is sin in your heart, you are not a safe person. Now, this lie of Satan prevents God's people from beginning to get serious about what God wants to do in our hearts. It blocks us. And so today I urge you to drop that lie of Satan that you can be secure in your sin in any manner whatsoever. There is absolutely no security in sin. There is only judgment and death. And so for us to even begin to imagine 
that we can say, oh, I'm a saved person, I'm just struggling with sin, is a total lie. Oh, I'm saved, but my heart's full of anger. No, those are oxymorons. A person who is saved is not ever full of rage and anger. They simply don't go together. You can't hold that position in the Scripture. In Scripture, a person who is saved is a person who has received the first deposit of the Holy Spirit. It is a person who has received newness of life and walking now in the Spirit of the living God. They're still tempted, but they're not submitting to those temptations. And so a person who comes to the Scriptures saying, I'm saved, but I'm still walking in rebellion against God. No, you are not saved. You are lost. And heaven's door is not open to you. The sin of your heart will take you to hell. Now there is a second lie that we have been told. You will recognize it is the kissing cousin of the one I've just shared with you. It's found in Genesis, the third chapter. The serpent is speaking to the woman. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Of course not. So he's lying about what God has said. The Lord said every tree is open for you to eat except this one tree. But the devil comes with a lie and he says... What God really wants to do is take all of your life from you. What he wants to do is steal your fun. What he wants to do is take away from you enjoyment and fulfillment. What God wants to do is steal from you. That's always the devil's position. So when we say, I just can't surrender to the Lord in this area, what are we saying? We're saying Satan was right. God is a liar. Verse 3. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. See, we want to go one of two ways. We either want to make God totally permissive so that we're saved and everything is all right, or we want to make God an ogre, someone who hates us, someone who's hard on us, someone who wants to steal and rob and take from us. So he's either totally permissive, unconditional love, or he's this wicked thief that comes after us. Those are the devil's lies. But notice the key lie. Verse 4, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So the devil comes and he says to this couple, God wants to take away from you what will bring you joy in life. 
God wants to steal from you. But you're not going to die. God will not take your life. Go ahead and enjoy it. I mean, that's like taking a bottle of poison and saying, this poison is not going to kill you. Why don't you go ahead and enjoy taking some of this poison? And somebody snatches the poison out of your hand and you say, give it back to me, you thief. What do you mean I can't take that poison? It's my right to take that poison. What? It's your right to take that poison and die? I mean, what is it that would possibly give us such a twisted understanding that we would begin to believe that God is a God of, of thievery? That God wants to take from us? And so we respond with bitterness and anger? Lying about God? I have to show you a couple of scriptures today. In Luke, the eighth chapter, there is a story. They've just sailed to the region of the Gadarenes. They've had a fabulous experience where, where God has calmed the sea, has demonstrated his awesome power and his awesome authority. And now as they come to land in the region of the Gadarenes, Jesus steps ashore and he's met by a demon-possessed man in verse 27. For a long time, this man has not worn any clothes or lived in a house. He's homeless. He's naked. He's cold. He's barren. He's lived in the tombs. Everything about this man's life has been death, not life. He's been hidden away in his cave. He's miserable. When he sees Jesus, verse 28, he cries out and he falls at his feet and he shouts at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. What? What? Don't torture me, Jesus. Wouldn't you call living in a tomb, naked, homeless, wouldn't you call that torture? He'd been chained many times, hand and foot. He'd been kept under guard. He'd broken his chains. He'd been driven by the demon into a solitary place. And this man is saying, don't torture me. Don't torture me. Now let's not quickly cast this lie off. This is the lie that I have struggled with more than any other single lie of the devil. Some of you that I've spoken with struggle in a like manner. There's something about us in our broken, twisted, sinful nature that believes that God will not deliver us. That he is withholding from us. 
There's something about us that wants to believe that if we ever surrender fully to Jesus, he'll take even the most precious, broken toys we have. That what God really wants to do is steal from us. If I ever really began to follow and obey Jesus and walk with him, I would be miserable. I'd lose all my friends. I'd lose my job. I'd lose my provision. I'd lose my health. I'd lose everything if I ever began to really follow Jesus. Some of you will be able to test this out when you go home. You're going to be hungry. And you're going to be able to sit down at a meal and consume all kinds of fat, high-calorie foods. And you're going to believe that if somebody said to you, would you please leave those fat, high-calorie foods alone? You're going to believe that someone is trying to steal something good from you. You know, don't tell me I can't eat my ice cream from Cold Stone. It's my right to go there and treat myself to the biggest dish of ice cream I can get into my stomach. And anybody who tells me anything different than this is trying to steal my joy. Never mind that the scientific evidence is absolutely clear that the person who eats like this will become obese and overweight and that that person will have an incredible problem with type 2 diabetes, with high blood pressure, with all kinds of life-threatening illnesses, that they will spend a great deal of their time running back and forth to the doctors taking drugs, they will shut their bowels down, and they finally will die of cancer or some other problem. No, I have a right to eat my ice cream, and God would not dare take that away from me. No, don't ask me to step on a scale. Don't ask me to discipline my life in the way I eat. It's my right to eat the way I want to eat. If I want to sit down, and have a whole bag of Oreos. I'll sit down and have a whole bag of Oreos, and I'll eat eat them dunked in milk. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tonight. I'll do it the next time I start to feel bad. It's my right. Yes, it is your right, and it's your right to have high blood pressure, and it's your right to have cancer, and it's your right to be sick and not be able to enjoy the things of God, and it's your right to die. But Satan is determined that you're going to believe that God wants to take from you something that is good. It's my right to listen to the music I want to listen to. And nobody's going to tell me I can't listen to it. It's my right to watch the television that I want to watch. And nobody's going to tell me I have to turn my television off and move it out of my house. That's just plain legalism. And of course, if God wants you to get rid of your television, that's the, I mean, look, I've got to deal with wife and husband and kids, and I've got to deal, I'm not about to take those kinds of radical steps. 
Yes, it is your right to have your child grow up watching murder after murder. It is your right to have your child growing up understanding that everybody's going to lie to them. It is your right to have your child grow up believing that they can sin against every person and get away with it. It's your right to have your child grow up and go to hell, be filled with demons. That's your right. God, you're not going to tell me I can't do that. What? See, the lie that Satan has taught us is that God wants to steal from us everything that brings joy into our hearts. So when my daughter was a youngster, she thought dad was awful because I would catch her trying to sneak out at night to go to the field party where they were drugging and drinking and all kinds of sexual free play. She thought I was terrible when I put a spike in her window so she couldn't open it anymore after I caught her going out it. I mean, Dad was the worst thing in the world. He, he was worse than Satan. I was mistreating her. How could I dare not allow her to go hang out with her friends? Well, today, she has a godly husband. She has five children. She's a mother in Israel who is loved and respected. And you know what I get at Father's Day? I get this wonderful card saying, Dad, forgive me for all the nasty things I said to you. Forgive me for being so stupid. I know now that what you wanted me to have was a, a family like I have. Well, how do you tell a young person you're not trying to steal from them everything that will make them happy. You're trying to keep from them the poison that will destroy happiness in their lives. Oh, if someone had just had the courage to talk with me when I was a young person and uncover the, the facade of holiness and get at those things that I was doing in secret, Nobody cared enough to do that with me. I'll tell you what, I did it with my kids. I took actions that seemed radical. The day they say, Dad, you're the best dad in the world. I wish I could have had that card years ago to show them what they would write to me in the future. I wish today I had your testimony that you're going to give me down the road to have you listened to today because it's time to break the lies of Satan in this house. It's time to no longer believe that we're bound forever in the bondages of sickness and unhappiness, misery. It's time to no longer let Satan put on us what he wants to put on us. It's time to cast off the sin that's causing us to not walk in salvation power.
this demoniac is saying, God just wants to steal from me everything that will give me joy in life. Now, let me give you a testimony. When the Lord sends the revival, I'm going to have to testify to you that had God allowed me with my human strength, my skill in preaching or doing radio, handing out tracts, strategizing church growth, if we had been successful, then we would have said to the Lord, look what we have done for you, Jesus. We're something, aren't we? But now, it's absolutely obvious to all of you that we can't grow a church. Does anyone yet have the illusion that you can grow a church? It's absolutely plain that anything that is done is going to have to be done by the hand of God. So when he does it, there won't even be the slightest temptation for us to say, hey, isn't this the great Babylon that I've built? So what God has done in his mercy and kindness is make certain that he hasn't the obligation to take from us our mind and send us like a wild beast into the desert to break our pride. I praise God he's broken our pride on this side. It was not Jesus' intention to torture this man in the tomb. It was his intention to clothe him in his right mind, to have him sit and fellowship with the disciples, and then to return home and testify that all Jesus had done so that Jesus could return to the Gadareans and have a great harvest in that place. It's not Jesus' intention to steal from you your joy. It is not the intention of Jesus to withhold from you. It's not the intention of Jesus to do anything but bring you into fellowship with the apostles, to have you sit clothed and in your right mind in his presence, to give you a testimony so that you will go out and speak to your friends and neighbors and say to them, this is what my God has done for me. Do you have a testimony today of what God has done for you? If Jesus said to you, now go to your family and tell them what I've done for you, what would you tell your family? Or would you tell your family about how hard you've struggled to be a Christian and how you've failed? What kind of testimony would that be? That would be the devil's testimony. Boy, I've tried hard to be a Christian and I just can't do it. There's no power for salvation in the name of Jesus. Is that your testimony? All I've done has been miserable as I've tried to be a Christian. I think I'm just going to throw the whole thing off and go walk in the world for a while. 
Is that your testimony? What is the testimony of your heart regarding Jesus Christ? Is your testimony that the devil is a liar and a thief, or is your testimony that Jesus Christ is a liar and a thief? Have you hidden yourself in your own sin and believed that you can stay there and you'll be saved anyway because Jesus is too hard a taskmaster? Today, I want to know, are you willing to walk in victory in Jesus Christ? Are you willing to walk in victory in Jesus Christ? If you're willing to walk in victory in the name of Jesus Christ, then would you ask with me that the lies of the devil would be broken over your heart? Some of you are so angry with God because He won't do what you think He should do. So you turn against Him. And you testify with your life that there is no power in the blood of Jesus Christ. Are you willing to ask the Lord to break these lies that we have held in our heart against Jesus And are you willing to take specific and concrete action to cast aside these lies of Satan and stand in the bear before God and believe that he loves you, that he has the best in mind for you? Are you willing to say, Jesus, I can't do it. But I'm asking you to do this work in my heart by the blood. Do you need a work of God done in your heart to break these lies that Satan has kept you bound with? I'm testifying to you today that these lies that Satan has used to keep us bound, that God will torment us, that God will steal from us, that God will keep us from enjoying life. That God will make it hard for us. These lies. That He'll never meet our need. That He'll drop us. That He'll just punish us. These lies from Satan. Are you willing to have them broken? Are you willing to have the lie broken that you can eat any way you want to eat? and still keep your health? Are you willing to ask Jesus to break the lie that you can sit and drink in the darkness of the world and still be pure? These are lies of Satan. Are you willing to have Jesus come in and break the lies of Satan in your heart to utterly expose them, to destroy them, and to establish His truth in your spirit? Oh, I tell you today, all I want is the truth of Jesus in my spirit. I don't want any room in my heart for the lies of the devil.
I want to walk from victory to victory, not from victory to ten defeats and then a maybe victory. Are you tired as I am of getting beat up? Are you tired of failures? Are you tired of waking up in the morning and feeling dirty? Are you tired of the devil's lies? And are you willing to be washed by the blood of Jesus? And are you willing to risk that Satan is the liar and the thief and that God is not? Will you give God the benefit of the doubt? Hasn't he done enough to prove that he should at least have the benefit of the doubt? You see, if you say to me, well, pastor, what he's really asking me to do is give up my control of my life. You've just believed another lie of the devil. God never asks you to give up the control of your life. You never had the control of your life in the first place. That's a lie. Either the devil has the control of your life, or God has the control of your life. You don't ever have it. Are you willing to give Jesus the benefit of the doubt? That he is who he says he is. That he will do what he said he would do. Give you a sound mind, dress you, and have you sit in fellowship with the apostles. Is there anything you would rather do today than to come into this place and find John, Matthew, Simon, Peter, Thomas the doubter, Bartholomew, Nathaniel, the pure-hearted man. Is there anything you'd rather do than come in and sit down with these men and fellowship with them? And then as they're getting up to leave, say, hey guys, can I come with you? And have them say, no, why don't you just go home and tell your family what Jesus did for you today? We'll be back. See, we've not been deserted. We've not been left alone. We fellowship with the saints. We've come to a place where there are thousands upon thousands of angels gathered in glad assembly before the throne of God. The minions of darkness would lie to us. They would tell us there is no victory in the blood of Jesus. There is no deliverance in the blood of Jesus. They would say to us, it is utterly hopeless. This anger can never be cast out. Oh, I'm here to tell you today, anger can be cast out of your heart in a moment. It is not the work of a lifetime. Unbelief can be cast out in a moment. It is not the work of a lifetime. Hatred can be cast out of our heart. Relationships can be healed in a moment. It's not the work of a lifetime. It simply requires that we confess before the Lord that we are powerless, that we have no ability, and then say, Jesus, would you by your powerful blood do this in my heart? And believe he has done it. 
and it is done. It is done. Faith is rising up in your heart as you hear this word. Satan will come and try to steal that faith away from you. Will you trust him? There are some family members you need to stand up to. There are some uncles and aunts, and there are some friends that you're going to have to stand up to. Do you believe by the power of the blood of Jesus you can bear such a testimony to them that they will be converted? Any of you read the Harry Potter novels? The Lord led me to read them. I want to tell you what I read. It is what has captivated the young people of America. In every chapter, there is raw power. There are miraculous occurrences. There is the learning process of how to enter into the darkness of witchcraft. There is the work of the medium as they struggle to understand the powers of darkness and cooperate with them. You can smell the sulfur, the crash and the bang. But we come into church, everything's dead. There's no crash or bang. Everything is calm, placid, putting me to sleep. What young person wants to be a part of something like that? I'm not a young person anymore, but I don't want to be a part of that. Where's the crash and the bang? Where's the power? We bought a lie. We bought a lie that said all the excitement is on the devil's side and there's none on God's side. Okay, let's talk about how to get some crash and bang. There's going to be some crash and bang in Sultana's no more fried chicken in this house. In fact, the, the fat fryer that we've used is going in the trash. It'll not be used again in this house. Now we got some crash and bang starting. When Sultana gets home and she opens the refrigerator in the cupboard and says everything with hydrogenated fat is going in the trash. Now we got some crash and bang in the house. Well, Kevin says, what? How am I going to survive? You go into Debbie and Pat's house. Debbie says to her brother, David, please come up here. We're moving the television out. We're putting it out with the trash. Oh, now we've got some crash and bang in this house. No longer will there be darkness in this house. Now there's some crash and bang in the house. Am I right? Well, what's Glenn going to think when he gets home? Glenn, I've got a testimony to share with you about the difference it's made in my heart and my life and some testimony to share about my daughter. 
Now you got some crash and bang in the house. When are we going to decide, get some excitement going? Aren't you tired of believing Satan's lie? And isn't it time to begin to create some excitement in following after Jesus Christ as though he were not a thief and a robber, but in fact had everything to offer us? You want some excitement in this church? Start acting on what you believe in Jesus Christ. Start radically loving people. Start radically loving people. Stop withholding from them. Think for just a moment in your mind, who have I withheld from this past week? Who was I upset with in my mind or my heart? And so I just didn't give to them this week. And why don't you go ahead and give to them this week double? Oh, now you've got some crash and bang in your life. Now you've got some power being released in the Spirit. Now you've got the possibility of reconciliation beginning to happen between people. Aren't you tired and bored with the devil's lies? I mean, what would happen in your heart if you really began to pray and say, Oh God, expose every lie of Satan in my heart. I'm going to testify that you are true, that you are who you say you are. I'm going to act on it. And Satan, you thief, you liar, you robber, get out of my life. I'm going to tell you something I don't understand. Satan has never moved for me until I got mad at him. As long as I believe his lies and I'm willing to suffer in his persecution, he has been willing to stay. I haven't talked about this, but up here, if I had my shirt off, you'd see a red spot. Just overnight, a big growth popped out on me. I hid it from Jan for quite a while. I mean, it looked ugly. I, of course, went into all the research and discovered that that's exactly what a melanoma looks like, a fast-growing melanoma. And I said, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Because I'd been saying to Jesus for some time, if, if you want to take me out, you can take me out, Jesus, but I'm not going to go to a doctor. I'm not telling you not to go to a doctor. Between me and Jesus, I'm clear I'm not going to a doctor. And so this big ugly thing just began to grow until it got good-sized on me. Have to wear a pad over it. It was a mess. And I was clear I was dying. It was growing rapidly. It was spreading. I was saying, I'm going to die. 
You know, that thing stayed there until one day I got so mad. I said, devil, I'm sorry. I don't believe you anymore. You're lying to me. I am not going to die. I am going to live. And all of God's promises to me are true. And I command in the name of Jesus, be gone. I put my hand over it and I said, Jesus, take this thing away. It is not of me. I don't want it. It's of the devil. It's gone. There's only a little red place on my skin remaining, but the skin is baby smooth like a baby's skin. It's gone. If I was willing to believe the devil's lie, he was going to kill me. And I could have moaned and groaned all the way into the grave and said, I guess God just left me. I want to tell you today, our God is a healing God. Our God is not a thief. Our God is not a liar. Our God is faithful. He is true. He honors his people. If we'll break the lies of the devil and claim the blood of Jesus Christ and refuse to walk in these lies any longer, but let faith rise up in our hearts, he will do astonishing things for us. He will heal us, body, mind, and soul. He will heal our families. He will restore us. He will cause us to walk in joy and life and freedom. So again, I ask, are you willing to ask Jesus by his blood to expose every lie of the devil that you're believing? And by the power of the blood, are you willing to ask him to break that lie and to set you free so that there can be some crash and bang in your life and in this church. The Lord did not come to torture that demoniac. That demoniac was tortured by his lust for sin and darkness. He was tormented by living in a tomb by himself, aside from his family. He was tormented by the rocks that he used to cut himself with to cause the blood to flow. Can you imagine what would happen in your life if you stopped picking up rocks and cutting yourself? Some of you today in this house are pretty bloody. Oh, maybe not on the outside, but on the inside, you're all beat up. You're a bloody mess because you've been picking up the rocks and you've been torturing yourself. Jesus is coming today and saying, you can lay those rocks down if you're willing to. He's coming today and saying, I'll restore you and put you in your right mind and you can fellowship with the apostles. You can fellowship with the angels. You can have victory today in Jesus Christ. You're going to have to get mad enough to do it. Mad enough at the devil to say, get out of my face. I plead the blood of Jesus. I no longer will walk in this way. I'll no longer think this way. I'll no longer act this way. By the blood of Jesus, I'll be free. Mighty God. Mighty King. Mighty King.
I ask you to break every lie in this house by the blood of Jesus. I ask you to set free this church. I ask you to bring a demonstration of your power into this place. Lord, I ask for a demonstration of power and might in this church. I ask you to break the depression. I ask you to break the discouragement. I ask you to break the despair. I ask you to break the lie that you're trying to take from us and that we can't trust you. Lord, I trust you today. By the blood of Jesus, I trust you, Jesus. By the blood of Jesus, you are faithful and true and you do what you say you're going to do. By faith, you are going to bring revival to this house. By faith, you are going to deliver us from every sin. By faith, you have set your people free. Thank you, Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen.